Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Uh, tonight we are on episode 17, and we're going to be chatting a little bit about boating when we're out uh, out in the bush, out camping, uh, doing the bushcrafting thing, or just boating in general. Um, now you yourself, Ben, you have a fair bit of experience kayak canoe-wise, right? Uh, I know I've seen some pictures of your stuff there, and you you do it fair, fairly often. Yeah, we try to. We, we've, we've gotten a... Uh, three or four trips last year, and uh, we've we uh, everyone in my family has a kayak of some form, and we have a canoe, and we share uh, a boat with someone else. So we have plethora. I, I, I call it uh, it's the word armada of boats at my my cottage. An armada. Well, yeah. no, that that's that's actually very accurate. I would think we have like me and the wife have some. 12 foot sit on tops. We have a, a, an eight foot sit on top. Uh, the solo canoe uh, kayaks for the girls, little, little tiny. I think they're like six feet long. They're, they're awesome for kids. They really unstable with adults. Don't ask how I know. <laughs> I got a guess. Uh, yeah. I got a little 16 foot, um, upper Canada that we use for quite a bit. And, and they're all really great for camping. Like, a lot of advantages and that's what we're, I really want to talk a bit about and, and a few disadvantages things I haven't tried that we can discuss but overall it opens up a whole world that you know by foot is oftentimes inaccessible or exceedingly more difficult and it allows you to you know different things I'm not saying it's better than hiking in uh, but it's definitely uh, different um, and one of the uh, first camping trips me and my wife did was a hiking trip and after we were finished in Keji, the first thing that kind of came in our mind is if we did it again i think we'd like to do it on a boat um and it's because you can rest your legs <laughs> and that's fair that's fair that's like any kind of vehicle transport or any kind of vehicular system you get that benefit of it's moving you and your gear right so i yeah. I, I know me myself i've only been camping i think twice by boat specifically i've done some boating like with my old job i used to have to do a fair bit of canoeing to get to uh pgis and stuff like that and mel and i have taken um i call it a rubber dinghy but i don't know what it actually is classified as we've taken that out on some lakes and stuff like that while we've been camping but i mean my experience is limited and we started to talk about this just before we came on air and we decided to save it coming on air i was saying i'm trying to decide if i want to get like a two-person kayak or a canoe, and I know that's a fairly, it's kind of a common question for people looking to get into boating and camping. So I guess somewhere through this, hopefully you can shine some uh, insight on that and maybe help me and maybe help somebody else out there too that's trying to make a decision in this case. So one of the things that I think about is the canoe has the yoke for carrying it. So you can get it up on your shoulder and it, it, it's sort of fairly comfortable to carry. Uh, the kayaks don't tend to have that system. Now I, I tried making one, and it's still sitting in a shed somewhere as an option. And it, it was a system that I could strap onto and treat it as a similar. So I made the yoke, and I took a couple of four-by-fours on the end, and I could strap it on. And, and it's it's more awkward. you got to find the right location. You're carrying extra straps. Um, and with a kayak, I find you're limited in space. For a canoe, you can take an oven like i really could take like a little camping oven and stuff it'd be a struggle to do it in a, a kayak 
Okay. Go ahead. Oh, uh, no, I was going to say, one of the reasons I've been looking at a kayak, and maybe you can straighten this out for me too, is the sheer weight savings of a kayak. Generally, they're a lot lighter. It, or at least the ones I've been looking for, because I am... I'm semi-sort of looking on a budget, like I'm not on a shoestring budget, but I'm not looking to spend a gigantic amount of money either. No. Uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all in what you want to pay, I think. And that's what I find, anyways. Like, I think air kayaks weigh in at around 60 pounds, 60, 65 pounds. Uh, I don't think my canoe is exceptionally heavier for that, and it's something that two people can get into. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, that was one of the benefits I started talking about was the reason I was wanted a canoe was just for the extra weight capacity. Because, I mean, I'm not a small person, and by the time I get in and put gear in, if I want to bring somebody else, I'm going to be into a fair amount of weight. And most of the kayaks I've looked at, like, they got a weight limit around 300 pounds, unless you want to start paying, like, large amounts of money. So we, we picked ours up on Amazon. I'm not touting Amazon is the answer and honestly the same kayak I don't even think is available on Amazon anymore but it was a uh, I think it's a Sun Dolphin uh, Journey SS 12 foot um, looking that up? No it's, uh, talking to the people coming on yeah so th- that's a 12 foot one and I think it's weight rating was about 400 pounds yeah and still so, but that's, that's uh, 400 pounds is quite good for a kayak but I mean a canoe I know from work, I've had way more than 400 pounds in a canoe. So, but for us, because we each end up having to take one, that allows us 800 pounds in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, like I've said it here before, like my weight was uh, for the longest time hovering at or above 300 pounds. So we bought those kayaks with that in mind. So that gave me 100 pounds of gear that I could drag in and still be okay. Um and these are sit on the top, so that they're a bit different than the sit-in kayak, and they have some advantages and disadvantages there. But uh, yeah, we were able to strap lots of gear on it. We took it to Kedji shortly after we got them. We 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 did a, a good run on them. And uh, one thing I didn't realize uh, that is an interesting story, I guess. Uh, as we went in the first day, it was a beautiful, calm day. It was nice, and we paddled in, and we had a great time. And the next day we woke up and it was raining and it was windy and it was pretty rough. So we decided to come back and we tried to, to shelter ourselves in the leeways of the, of the islands and, and stuff the best we could in Kedji. At some point we realized we have to go across open water. So we started just powering through it. And uh, the front and the back of the kayak have tie-in straps, like little handles. Mm-hmm. And... They're just drilled through these these nubs, and uh, nothing sealing them. There's also the, the seat has some holes in it. There's a couple of fishing rod holders in the back that had holes underneath that water could get. So as I'm powering through waves, the front end's going under, the back end's under at times. The waves are splashing over the top of me. I'm getting pretty wet. The canoe feels or the kayak feels heavier and heavier, and it couldn't bail it. Can't. I realized it was taking on some water, but you can't bail it to sit on top. Everything's sort of internal. You can't reach it. You can't put a pump on it. You can't do a thing. you got to get out and drain it. I'm in the middle of Lake Kedges. Big lake. If, if you, I assume you've seen it. Yep. So we're paddling back, and we, we're about in the middle of the lake when we realize it's about as bad as possible, and we see where we're going. Like We can 
see our destination. It's a long ways away. And I'm powering towards it. And it's getting heavier and heavier. And we, we were almost a stone's throw away from it. Like we were across the cove from, from, uh, I don't think it's Kedge Beach. It could be Kedge Beach. Um, it's on the same river that to get up to Jeremy, Jeremy's Bay. I think it's the, where you can rent the kayaks. Okay, I, I know we can rent the kayaks. I've only been there once, twice myself. So, so if if you if you're ever in that bay, you can see in south of of this beach that's hooked up to the camping area. There's a big rocky beach, like nice big heavy rocks and and sharp jagged looking things. And that's what the waves were really pounding into. And my kayak got completely unstable. When they go overweight, kayak is very unstable, and it sort of flipped me off. And Missy had to paddle back, and she managed to save my axe and some of my gear. And I told her, like, get to the beach. I, I, I will and drop all your stuff come back. So in the meantime, she's paddling back, panicking. And I'm going into that rocky, horrible shore. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's where I'm going to end up. So I'm swimming with the rope still tied to the kayak and towing it behind me. And I get to the, the rocks and I sort of climbing up the rocks and I'm pulling the kayak in and I pull it up and it's, it weighs a ton. Like it is heavy, heavy, heavy. I get down and I open up the, the drain in the back and I'm pulling it up and the water's just coming out like a spring. And, uh, still had the, the, the paddle was tied to a leash so it was dragging behind and I get everything there. I got it all up. I, I lost a water bottle. Something else. I think the rag. A little absorbent rag I was using to keep everything dry. That's all I lost. But That's not bad considering. Came pretty close to losing everything, right? So, uh, but the, there's a floating thing in the back. That had floated back and up and actually struck me in the back. It's a kayak was so far underwater. And uh, it's it's floated out and Missy managed to hook that and drag that back with her. And I managed to empty it out enough. I got back on it and I kayaked across the cove there and made it at safety. So when I, the point of that story is kind of know your gear, know its limitations, and, and make sure there's no water inside of it. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I guess to that point, some of the kayaks I've been looking at are exactly that. Like you said, I noticed there's a lot of potential openings for water to come in. And once again, if you want the ones that are like 100% sealed and they have a little seal that goes down over you and clips around, you're back into that really high price point. So I drilled out those two ends that I talked about, and I got a pipe and stuck into those holes and then plastic welded them shut. I took every screw out of that kayak, and I silicone sealed them back in. I took silicon sealant and put under every flange that where there's a hole cut into for mounting like fishing rod holders and uh, the uh, storage containers up front and stuff. Mine are now fairly sealed. They'll actually kind of pressurize on a hot day. You can release some pressure. So that's the trade-off, right? But they don't seal well necessarily, and there's a drain in the back for a reason. And that's something we never thought of. Like we, we had them for a few months, and we played with them at our cabin, and we determined to take them for a camping trip, and we did, and it, it was a wonderful experience. But it was also a, a learning experience, learning how to adjust, modify your gear to make it better. Um, in a 
in a regular sitting kayak, the the recommendation I think is to take a pump, and you put the pump to the base, and you can pump any extra water out. In a canoe, you take a bailing button, and if you take in some water, you can usually drain it out. Hmm. Uh, I know uh, when we were at work, four liter belt jugs cut work really well because they have the handle oh, yeah. and stuff on them. Yeah. yeah. That's, we did the same thing. And they kind of got that point. So you can get them pretty low and they're soft enough. When you push them down, they form to the bottom of the boat. Yeah. So works pretty good. Uh, but like I said, I mean, I, we, we really enjoy camping with the boats. We, you know, you can pack a little bit of extra gear. Portaging can be fun. <laughs> but, I, I notice a tiny bit of hesitation there, meaning that it can also not be fun. Well, you got a rough pass, and you got to pull a canoe or a kayak through it. It, you know, you're you're dragging, you're pulling, you're pushing, you're carrying. You, you can take all your gear at once, which can be heavier, or you can make multiple trips, which means you're walking the same distance three and six times. You know what I mean? Like it's there and back and there, and so on and so forth. Um, and it's it's all decisions you have to make. I usually try to do everything in one trip because I uh, think my parents used to call it the lazy man slowed. Yep. Still commonly called that. We still use that term in the house. But yeah. uh, that that is one of the major drawbacks. I, I guess it's not a major drawback. It's a major consideration for um, taking a boat anywhere, really, if you're going to be traveling with any amount of gears. If you do going to move that boat, all the gear that's in that boat has to be moved with it. And uh, yeah. that is some of the more on-nice memories I have from when I was using the boat for work. <laughs> because we didn't travel with a lot of gear, don't get me wrong. We weren't going for long, well, we weren't planning to go for long periods of time. We always took enough emergency supplies. If something happened, uh, we'd be okay. But generally, it was only a day outing, right? But still, we had to take our string boxes, radio vests, radios, food, water, emergency kit. All that great stuff that comes with the tromping around yep. in the woods. And I mean, same kind of thing. I can remember one of the, I'm trying to think, it's up back at Higginsville. We had to, we put the canoe in on the road and you travel up this little stream. And I say stream, but I guess it's technically a river anyway. And you travel up that, it hits a lake, you go across that lake, and then you got a portage for what's almost a kilometer. And then you drop into another lake and go to the other side of that. And that's where the PGI was to start. And I mean, that that was always a nasty run for me. <laughs> it was one of the things where I, and I wasn't traveling with much gear, but we had an old, I think it was aluminum canoe, and that son of a gun, or maybe it was fiberglass, but anyway, it was heavy. Uh, there was two of us, Matt and I, and it would take everything we had to get that sucker across the kilometer, into the lake, cross, do our work, come back, and then trudge it another kilometer back through. Like, it was a heavy, heavy, heavy canoe. And that was one of the reasons why I started looking at kayaks, because all my memories with canoes, the son of a guns are heavy. But I do know that they make them out there that are actually fairly light. Uh, but oh, yeah. I don't know what fairly light is considerable compared to, like, um, I, I can't even remember the name of the canoes we had, but I, I remember it was green. It had, like, oak for the ribs and the seats and all that. And then I think it was fiberglass. But, I mean, it, it was heavy amazingly heavy you look at some of the kevlar and, and more uh exotic um uh, materials out there you can get 
canoes, I think that that range in the 40, 42 pound range, like that light. I mean, they're not, there's not much to it. That's, that's less than what my bag was when we went camping. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they become awkward more than heavy. But are they still durable with those weights? Or do you really got to baby them? Well, you know, there is, there is your trade-offs, right? Yeah, they're fairly strong, and they have a certain durability to them. But, like, when one of those fails, like my plastic canoe, I can bump into things. I can dent it up. I can scrape the sides. And I'll take a crazy carpet and a soldering and iron, and I'll, I'll fix the whole thing up. You never notice it was really damaged. Uh and that makes it pretty durable and tough. Um, you take a sharp, jagged rock and hit a nice Kevlar canoe, you could puncture that. Chances are it's going to crack right in half. You, know, you might puncture it and, and be able to put tape or something over it, but those type of materials tend to be really strong overall. But once they start to fail, it, it can tend to be more of a catastrophic failure. Uh, so there's just your trade-off. I mean, lightweight fairly strong like but it's not going to take puncture impact well it's going to not going to take hard shock loads like other you know materials can so it's it's a trade off so i guess bottom line is before making a decision on something like that be sure to do your research and make sure that you know what you're getting into yeah and it's great if you can try some i mean we we didn't always have this option we didn't me and Missy, like Missy owned a little kayak when I met her, and it was a sit-in in one, and it was just like a little recreational one. It was, it was pretty good, though. She really enjoyed it. Shortly after we meet, met, she got rid of it. Uh, I won't tell you why, but she would. <laughs> and, and later on, we ended up getting a, uh, our canoe, and we had that for a few years and still have it. And we got the cab, and we had the kayak, because she wanted a kayak again. The sitting in ones worked well for us. Um, and we've made trips with both. I've made trips with both. Um, and they definitely have a lot of advantages and disadvantages to both, but they can all be really fun. Uh, and like I said, it opens up new, new windows of opportunity. Um, I've been in New Brunswick. We did the, uh, St. Croix, is it St. Croix River? Separates New Brunswick and the United States. I work with a feller that has waterfront along the river there, and I think, that's like a, an annual thing. They come in in the spring and they barrel down the river or something, isn't it? Yeah, well, we took the, my, my canoe, my, my, my 16-foot. Uh, a friend of mine, they do, do it pretty well yearly, and they used to take two or three days and do it. They really enjoy it. So I joined him, me and a buddy of mine, and uh, it's a bit of a funny story in itself. So me and my buddy, we never kayaked together before, and I'm being the, the, the larger guy, and more experience. I said, I'll take the back, you take the front. And uh, we had to do the uh, ferry the vehicles to the end. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've done this if you've ever. So you get set of vehicles to one end, set it, and you leave all your stuff at the other end. And yep. so we had all this arranged. All the vehicles were on the end. I had to go down and ferry them. So I left all the gear and the canoe with my buddy and said, load her up. When I get back, we'll jump in. We'll head down the stream. So my buddy loaded it up as he thought best, and he, and he really had the best intentions in mind. Never really, you know, not a lot of experience at this, and uh, not that I can really boast tons more than he had at the time, but when I got in the canoe, the back end is where he put most of the weight, and then me being a much heavier <laughs> So you're kind of riding like this out of the water? Yeah, yeah it, 
it looked like a speedboat just cruising, right? So, <laughs> and we weren't moving. So we had barely got out, you know, got moving. And then people on the shore were yelling and screaming at us, like, you're sinking, you're sinking. And I'm looking behind me, and sure enough, the boat is literally, it's just the weight. <laughs> it's keeping the water out of just tumbling in. Like, if I could stop, it would have been below waterline. It would have flowed in. So, like, literally, I only had millimeters at the back preventing us from sinking. So, turned her back to shore and got in, and I took the heavy bags and put it right up in the in the back, and I took the light bags and put it just in front of me, and we, we leveled out some. Now, I'm not saying we leveled it great, because, again, it was a disproportionate weight distribution, and you can imagine that it's still not great. And so, for the rest of the trip, every time we really powered through, we'd sink down, and you could really, you, you know, the front gain come off, the back gain went down, and we were always close to sinking. And uh, and my buddy is a bit more brave than I am in, in a canoe, and he wanted to do like all the the rapids and stuff. And I'm knowing that we're you know half sinking most of the time, anyways, trying to avoid the worst things. Yeah, not the best idea to do a boat that's <laughs> centimeters so from the waterline. Yeah, so we're bathing it most of the way down because I'm in charge. But he's and he's like, we can do this, we can do this rapid, and I'm like, no, no, you do not understand. Like we can barely do flat water. <laughs> But we're, we're going down St. Croix River. We, we, I think it was on the second day, definitely on the second day. And uh, it was a set of rapids. We couldn't really avoid them. There was no portage. We had to go through them. So we're going through. And uh, I, I can only blame myself, really. There's, there was a rock, and we brought up on the rock. That was my fault, bringing up on the rock. So it hit, hit right about mid-center. Like Steve cleaned clear over it, and the center of the kayak canoe hit it. And... We're teetering there, and he's paddling. He's like, we can get over this. And I'm like, I don't think we can, Steve. But anyway, Steve's determined. Like He's going. He's really pushing it. And all of a sudden, just like a, a, a wind vane, we twist around, and now I'm we're facing upriver, and there's water on either side of me, and I'm like, we're sinking. And Steve's like in the air now. Like He's reaching down to hit water. He's like, got it. We're going to get free. And I'm sitting there, water's literally pouring over my lap, and Steve's still trying as hard as possible. And I'm like, Steve, we've sunk. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, we sunk. And he turned around, and sure enough, like, I'm, by now, I'm up to, like, my chest, and I'm just sitting here, like, paddles useless. And I'm underwater, and he's still high and dry. <laughs> and all our gear was in five-gallon buckets, so that all floated out, and it was on the oh, outside. No. Did you strap it in at least? Oh, yeah, it was all okay. tied to tunnels and stuff. So it couldn't go anywhere, but it's floating around inside. And uh, it's like, we we got to get out. So anyways, he, he jumps out, and I jump out, and we drag the thing over to the American side of the border and pull it up and pour all the water out, put all our gear back inside and jump back in it and take off. And we're like, it's cold. Like, it's May 2-4. It's really cold. And we're soaked now, like, to the bone. And we're looking at each other, like, do we pull, like, open up the dry bags and get dry clothes and finish this, or do we just power through wet? And we're like, nah, frig it. We're going wet as, as can be. So we go down. We're powering, like, we're just paddling like madmen. And all our buddies and other canoes, they're, like, half asleep. They're having a beard. They're miles behind us by the time we And we get down there, we get cleaned up, dried up, and stuff, and Pretty well, most of our stuff loaded before anyone else shows up. Right. But it was it was a great trip, and it, it, it's 
it's true with almost every adventure. I mean, true. You, it's the failures that make it good. The failures make the stories. Failures make memories. If everything goes great, you had a good time. It's a good trip, but it's a good trip. But when something goes wrong or something interesting happens, that's when you're like, "Yeah, I remember that." Uh, you were saying about raising out of the ground or out of the water. As soon as you said that, I can remember when I took my canoeing course uh, through work. I was teamed up with a buddy of mine named Dave, and you've seen me. I'm a fairly big lad. He is like at the time was this stick of a boy. He was yeah. he's only four years older than I am at the time. I was like 22 or something foolish. He might have been 26 weighed 115 pounds soaking wet and we're in these rinky dink little canoes and he's at the front and same kind of thing as soon as i get in the whole thing's just like (laughs) but it wasn't to the extent where you were where it was coming over the coming over the sides for anything but boats can be a lot of fun you can have a lot of misadventures and adventures with them and uh i openly acknowledge that uh, you were saying a, something that you said, and it, it interesting topic for us to go over is when you're packing the weight on the boat. What is the best way of doing it? Like I, I know it should be fairly obvious, but let's let's walk through it anyway. I would say that you want it to be slightly back heavy, but not just you know like if you were to choose a point at the center, if you want your center of gravity, I would say like a foot or so aft of center would be an ideal point for me. You, you want your nose to always be sitting a little higher than your tail. Um, and none of this is technical. And I, I noticed one of the guys posted on our site that you should take a course. And I agree 100%. And I definitely didn't do that. Um, huh? I, uh, well, you're talking. Give me one sec. See if I can find mine. It, uh... All right. I got the almighty book. I might have one here. See, I'm completely self-taught, and I learn really well from the School of Hard Knocks, and I am really good at learning that way because I make all the mistakes. Well, yeah, I mean, you learn. I'm a big advocate for you learn just as much from failures as you do from successes, as long as you didn't get hurt. And I rock at failures. (laughs) Um, but, But that is kind of the problem, too. Like, I've probably put myself at risks that were unnecessary and I, I i wouldn't recommend anyone do that but i i've also like my daughters all have kayaks and i mean that's down to like when they were two and three i'd stick them on a kayak here's a paddle go go and they figured it out now i'm there and they have life jackets and we broke off an area around the cabin so that they knew to stay in a certain compound I am still listening to you. I'm trying to get this patch moved so it can be seen. Flat water canoeing skills level C. Whatever that happens to mean is what my training is. <laughs> Way better than mine. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. This was a company uh, we did hire. Well, now I just closed it. But there was a company that came in to teach us this. But um, you have to imagine this was... This was a handful of us going out to learn these things. Who was it? It was Paddle Canada. Paddle Canada put the course on. And uh, you have to realize, I I don't actually know anymore what level C is. Maybe somebody can post up. But uh, (laughs) all of us at work when we took this course had a good time. I'll leave it at that. We may have uh, 
we may have gone over or under the instructional intentions. I'm not sure. I don't know if the instructor even knows. But there is actually a good picture of it floating around somewhere. I can't remember where it is anymore. But um, it was a good course from what I remember. I mean, it, it wasn't yesterday now. We're talking like literally 2004, 2005 kind of territory. Maybe 2006 at latest. But um... I'm pretty sure like Mech and there's a few other places, they put on workshops and probably Paddle Canada or other groups, I know there are groups around, that put on workshops two, three times a year for sure, where you can meet up, try out gear. And I highly recommend if, if you you have that, those opportunities, take them, like get out there and try these things. They're, 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 they are a blast. Their newest toy is a, is one of those uh, SUPs, Stand Up and Paddle. I think I made oh, yeah. I don't know if I, if I showed you some photos of that. You haven't showed me. You have talked about it a couple times. It's on my Facebook page. There's there's uh, anyone who wants to look me up. Uh, uh, it's kind of yeah. Um, I'll probably friend almost anyone. Um, I don't have a lot of secrets and the but, ones yeah. I do have I don't put on Facebook. Let's go with that. Yeah, you're not going to find them easily. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. It's another toy out there. I'm, I'm learning as I go. Um, I, I fell in the other weekend. I have a little wetsuit I was wearing, so it was, wasn't so bad. It was cold, but not too bad. Uh, and it's it's a great bit of fun. Uh, I've watched a couple of guys on YouTube that are doing camping trips on these these uh, sups. Um, and the interesting thing is I think my sup weighs less than 30 pounds. So that's not but, bad at all. Oh, it's it's... 11 feet, I think. So what's the uh, potential of carrying gear on these things? There are there are tie-down points on it. There's, like, you can put, there's these D-ring links on the back of ours. I think you can get some with ones on the front, too. So they recommend, like, you can go on them with, like, a friends or a family member or a dog. Like, a lot of people take a dog on one. Like, they'll sit up in the front. My, my dog, my, I got a little mutt. I think she weighs somewhere around 30, 35 pounds. Uh, she's big for her, her her weight. Like, she's tall and lanky. Mm. Uh, but she'll, she'll crawl in the front of our canoe or in our kayaks or I'm sure she'll jump on us up. I think she may have tried already. She, most of us are too nervous yet to take her. But, uh, that's another fun subject there, taking pets on boats. Uh, <laughs> Just going to interject I, one second there, Ben. I don't mean to cut you off. Troy Miller, um, I know you don't have the comments up. He was just saying, what are our thoughts on the stand-up boats? Uh, well, that's what we're actually speaking about now, Troy, is the SUPs. Those are basically stand-up boats or stand-up paddle boards, whichever way you want to look at them. So uh, I guess my thoughts is I haven't actually been on one Uh and then we're just kind of going on Ben's expertise here. So you actually own one now, don't you, Ben? Like one of those stand-up yeah. boards? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy I used to follow. Uh, I think his name is his YouTube channel. It used to be Sailing and such, but it now could be Tripsmith. Um, that sounds familiar. Uh, Troy Miller. And what are the ones at Canadian? Are the ones at Canadian Tire any good? And what should you expect to pay for one? I guess that's going to be more your ballpark now, Ben. So we bought one from Costco. Uh, it was one of the inflatable ones. Uh, I think mine is a body glove. Not, and I think we paid around four fifty, five hundred. I think that was the ballpark range. Um, I've been following them on 
Amazon and that, I think somewhere between there and a thousand bucks is about where you're going to probably end up. You may find a few on clearance. You may find a few others. Uh, but the inflatable one that we have, uh, is surprisingly good. Uh, I, I'm going to say that I've watched a lot of reviews where people talked about the, the potential advantages and disadvantages. It fits in a fairly large bag, but it doesn't weigh that much and it pumps up relatively easy. Uh, and, I think someone said it could take about 15 minutes. I don't think it quite does for me. Uh, but it is stiff and hard when it's blown up. Uh, almost as if it was a solid board. Uh, See, that's surprising to me. I figured they would be still water give to them, which would make drag in the water is what I always assumed the inflatable ones. No, they, they use a drop st- system, which is basically every half inch or so, there's a, a thread that goes from the top to the bottom. And you pump, ours pumps up to 15 PSI. You want it to be pumped up to around that. That's the max for ours. Uh, I think some go like to 18 or maybe even 20, but the, the more you can pump them up, the stiffer they would be. Uh, I've read that some of them only go to 12, that those are a little bit flimsy. They flex a bit and, and maybe not quite as comfortable. Uh, and Canadian Tire the other day when I was in them, they had the solid boards. I can't see them not being a, a good system either. So they, I, if you've seen the ones at Canadian Tire, I assume they're just similar construction to the other ones. All you're going to get is maybe a smaller in size. Um, there must be a learning curve to riding around on one of these things where you're standing up. It's definitely like open flat water only or can... Uh, they recommend on them that beginners should do flat water, calm water, and you can do a little bit of rougher water, but you want to be careful, especially with the... Because you can sit on them if you had to, and you can lay down on them, so you have lots of options. And I've I've stood in my canoe, and I've stood on my kayak and paddled around. I've started practicing with that, and it definitely is a learning curve to get used to the balance. And if you, you're a nervous person, you tend to overcompensate once you go one way, yeah. and then it, it gets worse and worse and worse, and next thing you know, you're in the water. And that's how I fell in the other day. I decided to sort of play and everyone makes fun of me of it but i stood forward as far as i thought i could go and then i walked back as far as i thought i could go and the front came up and i felt like it was going out from under me so i stepped forward and then i tumbled up yeah shot out from behind you so, so the, the guy i took my course with he was born and raised on the water and he actually pulled that dirty little trick on me he stood up when we got about six feet from uh shore and did the big kickoff from one side and made the jump he only landed and maybe you know, shin deep water. And, uh, I overcompensated, went right over and did like two complete rolls with the canoe. Ironically, if you just stop, it'll settle out. Like you don't have to fight it. Fighting is the worst thing you can do. But it's a very hard feeling to get over. And they told us this on the course and I knew it and I still fought it. And I mean, I can relate it to motorcycle courses. I, uh, because I, I teach those. And the big thing is look where you want to go, not where you're going. And it's a freaky feeling to try and, like, look where you want to go and not where you're going, right? And it's the same thing as in a boat. Just be still and the boat will be still. Yeah. And it's a hard yeah. thing to get around your head when the thing is going all nuts and you're like, no, i got to try and balance this out. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had the same problem, especially with passengers on a bike. I'm sure you've had the same thing. You take a passenger on and say, you just hold on to me. Don't fight the bike. Just, just go with it. And so many people, when you start to lean, they go the other way. And yep. you're like, 
you just want to haul back and hit them, right? Like, it's stop it's so <laughs> common. I've actually gotten more used to when people do it that oh, yeah. when somebody good jumps on the bike with me, it goobers me up for the first like two seconds. They think I'm trying to like get my knee down, and they're like, "Why are you turning so hard?" I'm, I'm just kind of expecting you to fight it, and you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I've had people on that are awesome passengers, like my mother. Uh, is an awesome passenger. My dad taught her well when he, he, he drove. Like she, she doesn't drive, but she loves to get on the bike. She sits there bolt up. She does not adjust or do anything. She's just, and she's, she's comfortable back there, but she doesn't fight it. She doesn't try to help. She just sits there. And after a couple of turns, you know exactly what to expect. You do not have to think about a passenger. But people in a boat, like me and Mr. Reason, we have kayaks. Honestly is she's nervous in the canoe because if I make an adjustment, she fights me. Hmm. And next, you know, we're in this wiggle wobble thing. And No, and it's it's like a bike. There's people that can do it and there's people that can't. It's no fault of theirs. It's, or for, at least for me, it's just a response. It's like your fight or flight response. You can tell yourself, oh, don't do this. Yeah. And then you're doing it. Like it's, you just can't get over it. So, I mean, yeah, and this is a great topic. I enjoy this. But, yeah, these are the things to kind of learn, like how how to pack your your boat. You want to keep everything dry. Like I said, we use the bucket method. That was one of my early methods. Now we use uh, dry bags. Mm -hmm. I have some big ones, and we keep in there. Learn to get comfortable with your boat. Don't make your first trip on a boat a three-day camping trip. You're going to hate it. I guarantee anyone who says I think I want to try canoe and camping and never been on a canoe before, never loaded one before. And you start going, you're, you're not going to pack, right? You're not going to be comfortable. It's, it's going to be harsh. Uh, and I'm, there's going to be someone come on, maybe not today at some point and tell us, tell me I'm wrong. They, they did it and it was the greatest experience ever. And sometimes that happens, but majority rule here. Yeah. Um, but my my thought is, uh, and it's always been, I think that's kind of the, the the Atlantic Bushcraft Adventure motto is test your gear in a safe environment before you take it out. Um, same thing if you're going to go canoe or biking or anything, like put it, put your gear on, give it a test, try things out before you head out for the for the big weekend or the big trip, so you have some idea what to expect. Do a couple of smaller trips um and i hear people rolling in their heads right now well robert you brought a whole bunch of new gear you never tested before in your camping weekend to you i say we did have plans in place and i did have fair confidence that my co-partner here uh would successfully bail me out like the backup method was to make a nice big fire and that's why i brought the wool blanket worst case i could have slept beside the fireman just as happy so yeah we we had backup plans and we and we had each other and and our combined experience is pretty good uh and you know when if you're going on your first trip and a guy going with you and has helped you is is fairly experienced then that that counts a lot you know that's how you're going to learn if you have the opportunity to go with someone who knows more than you um i i recommend you take that opportunity and and uh, and learn from it and even if you think that the person you're going might not know as much as they say they do, you'd be surprised how much you'll learn regardless. Uh, 
I think any, everyone has something to teach you. It's either through their actual knowledge or their lack of knowledge and things that you're going to learn. I won't do that. Or this guy doesn't know what he's doing, but you'll learn you from me. failures just as much as successes, even if there's somebody we else's. <laughs> we should do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, great opportunities there. Um, now, a question so for you. Yeah. Have you ever slept in the boat? Intentionally? <laughs> yeah, because I, I have seen people that they literally, they'll camp right in their boat out on the water. Like, um, And and this is what I'm trying to get out. Is it BS or is there something to this? Because I knew a fellow that was like, oh, yeah, I love to go camping. And I'll take these long, big treks and I'll just sleep out on the water. And I'm thinking, that that seems like it's a either completely brilliant or completely idiotic statement. I don't know which it is. It's definitely doable. Uh, you, you, you have to pack correctly for it. And I, I, I watched one guy. He, he had built a tent on top of his ca- canoe. Um, can't remember his name. It's, just, it's good to watch if you can get past the religious parts of it. Um, uh, he's a minister or something. but uh, uh, Different strokes, different folks, man. Don't joke. Not anything, right? But uh, he, he had a bit of a prayer stuff in that. And that's not something I follow as well. Um, but he had built a pipe frame that mounted to his boat and a tarp that wrapped around it. And he literally, like, he paddled for a while. And when he was tired, he'd either throw an anchor out and he'd just crawl in under this thing. And he had a whole setup and it was awesome. He didn't have to worry about whether there was a safe place to pull off to and, and, and overnight or anything. And I think like, I learned a lot from watching him. And that's kind of what I, I guess that's where I was going. If you had prep, I could see it. But the way this guy was leading me was to believe he just threw his gear in the boat, went out, found a spot, dropped anchor, and blew up camp right then and there. Could you, I guess, is it realistic to expect to throw down a sleeping pad and crawl in a sleeping bag and have a fairly good night in like a canoe? Doesn't rain. and Yeah, you could. I mean, just picture in mind, in my canoe, for instance, I'd have the yoke sitting right, right above me where I'd have to lay down. Well, that's it. You'd have to crawl in under like the... So I could see myself waking up in the middle of the night and like bumping into that and uh, trying to go from the, to the bathroom from the canoe. I was just about to say, how do you pee? Because now you have to fight in the dark in a boat to get out of a sleeping bag to stand up in the dark in the boat to pee. <laughs> and that's the pee. Uh if if you need more, you're going you, to shore. In my opinion, <laughs> gotta get to shore because you can't hang off the side of a canoe that well. I mean, maybe if you had like an outrigger, you could figure it out. Um, but I tell you, my daughter and my niece took a, uh, a, a mattress and some sleeping bags and went out on her swim dock and slept one night under the stars. Not no tarp or tent or anything. Uh, they went out, so that's probably the same type of situation. I mean, that. so my niece at that time would have been in her mid-teens. She's probably two years ago. I think she's 17 going on 18 this year. So, yeah, she'd be about 14, 15 age range. And my daughter would have been 6, 7. And they had a blast. I guess the uh, follow-up to this would be when the sun comes up, would you not get barbecued? Like, super bad sunburn? <laughs> well, I mean, they were under tarps. They're, oh, okay, uh, they were under a tarp. 
I thought it's not a sleeping bag. You, know, you wouldn't over like during the day. It's you'd probably be paddling and stuff. You you have a hat or sunscreen and stuff on. You can get seriously burned, especially. I mean, if you're hiking, you tend to be under canopy and stuff occasionally. But in a in a boat, you do have like the reflection up on you as well as the sun down on you, so you do get a lot more sun. Uh, so. Yeah, you definitely want to prep for that. You have to deal with the the heat and the wind. The wind can either be an amazing advantage or a huge disadvantage or just a hindrance, uh, depending on whether it's a headwind, a tailwind, or a crosswind. Yeah. Uh, crosswinds def- can be very annoying. Yeah. On- uh, Eel Pond, I think that's what it's called out towards Muscadabit Harbor. Uh, yeah. my eel pond, eel harbor. I I can't remember. It's just, it's just up from Muscadabit Harbor, but not quite until you get to Jador. I was doing a PGI there, going across the lake, and every single time I came across, it was a crosswind, and like it's a straight shot across. It's only about a kilometer across, but by the time yeah. you're done, I bet you you paddle three kilometers. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I have had some winds that were fighting me. Uh, not an overnight trip, but I took. The same niece I mentioned earlier, at, we were out to Irwin Lakester by, uh, by Truro. There's a little cabins and stuff you can rent there. It's weird there. And I brought my canoe and said, let's go for a canoe. So we left and we went out and the wind came up and it was blowing us down, down the lakes. So we went with the wind for a while. And when I turned around, all I could do by myself was match the wind. I couldn't beat it and i'm like telling her she has the paddle because her paddling was the only thing that was making the difference mm. i i could hold us in position but i couldn't move us ahead and she was starting to panic in and, and, and uh and lose it so i had a basically a panicked passenger who was really worried we were going to get pinned which was not a big deal we could have just walked the shore and came back to the boat later um, and what we eventually ended up doing was getting closer to the shore because usually the wind isn't quite as bad with a bit of, if you're close to one side or the other. Uh, and we made it back fine. But yeah, the wind can be a, a challenge. Uh, and the father-in-law told, tells an awesome story. They were down in uh, one of the southern lakes in Keji and uh, they got up one morning and the wind was just pounding them they hard to move and i think they stuck they were stuck there for an extra day and the next morning the wind was going the opposite way and they actually took their life jackets or the jacket and put the canoe the paddles in it and held them up like a sail <laughs> and it just pulled them right to their destination and a trick i wanted to try and we've talked about you can buy sails for canoes and kayaks I was not aware of that. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, they're neat. You just hook them. They're just like a square of material. And you hook them to your gunnels, more or less. And you flick it up. It's like a loop on it, like a, like a hula hoop. Yeah. And you just got a couple of ropes, so you pull it back, so it's more or less straight. As long as you got a tailwind, you get caught into that shape and pull yourself along. But a lot of people tell me... Uh, the big golf antennas, or not, uh, umbrellas? Yep. Uh, you just take one of those, fold up the next to nutty, just pop it out, hold it up, let the wind catch it, and you'll, it'll pull you around. Late. Question for you, Ben. Yeah. 
You got one of those? Boating license? Yeah, the Pleasure Craft Operator's Card. Is that required for running a canoe, do you know? Not to run a canoe. Okay. Now I'm a little rusty. That's I figured you would know. I do have one. It's required uh, if you have a motorized boat, for sure. And I think there's a couple of like gray areas in there where you probably want to check the rules. But like if you put a trolling motor on it, you may end up needing a pleasure operator's card. And that's where I was, because I know some canoes have a flat back and you can get a motor on them, like yes. a small no, motor. I'm pretty sure I do have one. I hope I have one. I do have one because I am the type of guy. Who will eventually get caught? Oh, for sure. And I have, I have, uh, yeah. There's. Yeah, so you got the updated one. There's mine. Yeah, so I picked mine up a few years ago. Uh, 2014. Oh, God, mine was. When was mine? I think mine was in 2000. I don't think they expire, do they? Nope. Mine was issued in 2009. My dates are actually getting a little worn off. At some point, I'll have to do something like that. Well, I stuck mine in a binder. It doesn't do me much good over here, I suppose, now that I get thinking of it. Well, so we have... We have a... Uh, Sorry, 2003 is when mine was issued. It was issued in September. <laughs> so... Yeah, so we have a 14 or 15 foot aluminum boat at the cabin uh, with a motor. Um, and it, it's definitely an appropriate size motor for the boat. Um, and I'm serious. Okay. <laughs> Not overpowered or too heavy or anything. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and so we definitely have the licenses. And I think me and Missy both took them. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good to have, especially like around. A, it's good to have, and it's not expensive. No, um, I think you can sign up for the courses, and you just write the test, and it's, they'll send you the thing. Um, and I probably couldn't pass the test if I took it today. If I seen the buoys or whatever, I'd have to, to look it up. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to. You can get the uh, the boating guide, I think, somewhere. I think it's free. I think you can download it online. Can't remember now. But in any case, generally I figure everyone has the right of way, but me. And I'm almost always going to be in the smallest boat possible, so I'm going to be able to sort of be out of their way. Anyways, I, I try to avoid it. There's actually a float plane that occasionally lands on our lake, uh, so I try to not spend a lot of time out in the middle, um, in case he ever does come by. I don't think he can move, outmaneuver me. Nor can I get out of his way in time. I got one for you, Ben. Have you seen yeah. the fold-up canoes? I, yes. I meant to ask this way back uh, when we were on topic, but I wanted to make sure I asked you before we jumped off, too, because I know we're coming up on 50 minutes. But what's your thought on these fold-up canoes? Have you ever tried one? Are they any good? Because this was another idea, I thought, in the back of my mind as a scheme. Never tried one. They look pretty good. Uh, there's a a fold-up canoe and there's a fold-up kayak too. Uh, I think made by the same or a different company, and it's the the ones I've seen are made from this, almost the same material as the the election signs. 
yep. that corrugated plastic. Um, I, if I think hard enough, I'll probably remember the names, but I think they're based out of BC, uh, one of the manufacturers. Anyways, no, they look pretty good. Um, I'm sure they have their limitations. Well, I think we're back to that. You got to be dainty with them. I mean, they're fold up. They're meant to be ultra light, ultra compactable, and ultra portable. So you're going to get that trade off again. But I've often wondered if they're also ultra sinkable. <laughs> you know what I mean? I imagine the weight limit on them is pretty, pretty low. Well. I would I would say they're surprisingly durable, just from the type of material they're made of. Like I don't think they puncture easy, and I think they could take a little bit of an impact. Uh, I think you'd be surprised at how durable they would be. My main concern would be the folding, but I know they're well tested because I've watched videos where they, they show that they test, they, they make every fold like a thousand times to see if it'll break and they don't. Um, and I don't know if they could be reinforced if they did start to, to fail. Um, and they fold up into a, like a bag that can basically fit under your arm. I mean, it, they're still like three feet by Yeah, three but they're feet. not big. They're meant for like uh, throwing in the back of your Jeep or something yeah. like that, aren't they? I think it's three feet by three feet. I, I, I'm guessing at this, and they're probably about six to eight inches thick when they're when they're folded up, and they they like an origami type thing. They fold right out into to a fully usable uh, watercraft, which is awesome. Um, and if that's you know, I mean, they got the inflatable versions, they got that version. And if that's what you need because of the vehicle you have or what you can, I mean, more well, power. I'm thinking they'd be great for a four wheeler. This is this is the other thing I'm trying to think off when I have get a boat is potentially I want to be able to try and carry this thing on the four wheeler a little bit because here where I'm from we have uh, access to the Trans Canada Trail system right and it's yeah. it's you can get anywhere in Nova Scotia from where I'm at I can literally almost get to downtown Halifax I think it's like a three kilometer stretch where there's technically no trail but I'm sure yeah. if you drove up there you'd find a way you know what I mean. Um, actually what I think it is, is there's a trail system through there, but right now it's being contested. If you know the East Chesapeake area at all, they have this trail, uh, part of the community only wants it for walking part of the other part of the community wants it to be shared by everybody. And it, it's kind of an ongoing thing there. Uh, I don't know the whole thing about it. Maybe somebody does and they can comment in, but it, it's something along those lines. And I think that's the part that's actually missing, but I mean, it would be awesome to be able to throw some sort of small watercraft on the bike tear off into the woods because the last time i went out with the neighbor here i think we did 90 kilometers in the day so i mean you can get a long ways into the woods and we ran into some nice lakes and stuff it'd be great to go out and explore on them but the reality is if i was to put a full size canoe on top of my bike i'm not going to get through half of the paths we took or half the trails i'd be wrapped up into everything but one of these little folding canoes uh if i took the back seat off and it was just me i could very easily strap that down and go with it so I, what I've seen done before is I've seen a guy had a rack that went on above his head yes. and he strapped, strapped it down. And that would work probably fairly good for a like a 12-foot or 11-foot canoe, which they do make. And on a groomed mm -hmm. trail. As soon as you go in around trees and stuff, you could be tied up into them. You could. Or um, they make so like personal kayaks that are as, for adults as, as short as about 8 feet. And in fact... Our eight-foot kayak, we just kind of realized that we now are in a weight category. We can use it. So my wife is getting great kick out of this, and she found it way more maneuverable than a 12-foot kayak. I was going to say, I remember when I was younger, the, the short little kayaks, they're super, uh, 
I say twitchy, but that's not the right word. Maneuverable is the, the correct word. But, I mean, they pivot right in the middle almost on a dime. Like, you can turn them super easy. Well, like, the, like the girls have the, the solo kayaks, which are designed for kids. They're about six feet tall, maybe not even. Uh, and, and really fun and, and maneuverable. Uh, the problem is they're actually too maneuverable. So when you paddle, your, your front end is all wiggling Swish quite it. a bit. So your efficiency from paddling is, is lowered. So the advantage for a longer canoe or kayak is that they tend to, to, to track better. And so when you paddle, each paddle gets you maybe a little bit more distance. For this. Mm. So it kind of is a good trade-off for the additional weight for a bigger canoe or kayak. But and then, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I've also found you can get some very flat bottom short canoes that will do um, a lot of the same. I, I mean, coming from a rookie level, uh, I assume you use like a J-stroke or something like that when you're paddling, right? Always off the same spot and you just weight it back on the same corner? Or do you switch back and forth when you're paddling? I've done it all. Okay. Uh, so I like a J stroke just because I have a lot heavier stroke on my right side. So I will hook there and then just drag a little to keep me straight. And then on a real flat bottom short canoe, my power stroke, I'll actually like spin almost two feet off oh, yeah. in the wrong direction. So. Yeah. I've, and I mean, I've gotten pretty good with the J stroke or a modified uh, because I've never been taught how to do a proper one. It's all uh, as long as it works. It's perfect. But yeah, I mean, I paddle, I give it a quick twist and a little kick, and that's probably fairly... That's a J-stroke. <laughs> um, but I've seen another one where you actually, you just paddle and you kind of push out. So there's there's a few techniques to it. Uh, there's also a paddle I've seen where the, the paddle never leaves the water. Yeah, you have to flip it sideways and it kind of glides out. I've never mastered that. It's It's a thing of beauty to watch. Uh, I'm still fairly awkward at it uh, when I'm alone and no one's watching and I'm just yeah, telling that, Yeah, that's about where I'm at too. And awkward does not even begin to describe what I am at it. <laughs> Horrendous is, is coming yeah. up closer. I practice it a bit because I want to see if I can get silent enough that I could sneak up on the ducks and see how close I can get. Cause... Well, that's the thing. When you master that stroke, you literally like glide silently along the water, especially if it's a nice calm day and you're only going at a, a reasonable speed. You don't even get like the wake off the boat and no slapping sound. Like you ju you're just a ghost gliding through the water. It, like you said, it's absolutely beautiful when it works. Oh, I watched, I don't know if it was Ray Mears or one of these shows and they had a, a lady on there and I, and I want to say she was probably in her 60s. She could have been even higher, but it, she looked like, a, and she must've been born on the water and, she sat there and she put the paddle down. Like the paddle was almost completely underwater, and she was just like stirring a pot. And she was doing complete circles and going up the, this line, and just you know, it was it was an awesome thing to watch. You know who's good in the water, and we should get him on sometime. Uh, Sam, I can't think of his last name, but on the, and yeah, uh, he's actually pretty good in the water on a canoe. He's, he he lives down towards where my cabin is. His parents' property is not far up there. And he okay. also does a lot of uh, demonstrations uh, from the uh, the Merc, I think they call it. Uh, Merc. My wife's not far. Merc in, in Bridgewater. It's firelighting and stuff. Yeah, it's... 
I, I I've watched some of his videos and I know what you're talking about. It's where they do like the Yeah. It's almost like the primitive living where they're but it's not yeah. the primitive I, I I can't remember what it is. Anyway, if anybody wants to check it out, uh what was his last name? Wenzel, I think it is. Wenzel. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that right. So go check out Sam. He is on YouTube, he's on Nova Scotia Bushcraft. Uh, he has his own YouTube channel. He does guided tours, I think, where he's from. Great guy, super smart. Uh, There's a band, I think. Yeah, I and he about. plays. He's he's great at guitar. He was one at the first uh, NSB gathering. He was one of the ones that was like strumming around the big bonfire there at night. So uh, yeah, look him up. Tell him we sent him, s- sent you to him. Uh, either we'll get some brownie points or we'll get the uh, tour up. Wow, just got darker in here. I. Not darker, but you definitely got yellower. <laughs> you got the Simpsons hue over you. Um, you putting that light back on? <laughs> um, but yeah, go check out Sam. He's, he's great okay, with all there. that stuff. But uh, David Lake came in here, and Dave would actually know what I was talking about with the shorter kayaks. Where we're from down in Marigamish, there was a fellow that used to hang out with us, part of the Shore Road Boys. His name was Jay. I won't say his last name, but he had a couple of canoe or not canoes, kayaks. And we'd always... I'll be right back. i yeah. got to fix this lighting. Fair enough. Uh, we'd always buy borrow the kayaks from him, and we'd be touring all through the Marigamish Harbor and River there. Um, but that that's where I actually got a lot of my very first experience being out in the water, uh, paddling around and stuff like that, was when I lived down in Marigamish, and I was still in high school. So I don't know if you're listening there, Dave, but do you, you kind of remember all that stuff there, too? Uh... uh Sorry about that. A little less yellow. No worries. I think I just heard my doorbell go off too, which is weird at nine thirty at night. I, I I did that. It's my fault. Do you want? Do you want to just take over there, Ben? I'm gonna go see. Make sure everything's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So where were we? Yeah, we were talking about Sam Wentzel. Yeah. Anyways. Um, the main topic was the canoeing and kayaking stuff, so I don't think I've done a monologue. Now I'm all nervous. Um, yeah, so I think the end result for all of you is that it is worth trying. I There's some beautiful lake systems here in Nova Scotia that are definitely worth checking out. Um and you have Tobiatic, uh, Keji, uh, Tangiers are some big ones. There's a ton of beautiful rivers. I hear people talk about doing the Shubi Canal run, which goes almost what, the, the Truro, from Halifax to Truro. Um, so any of those would be a good run to try. Um, and they give you some different options. Many without any portage. Oh, here's someone coming. No. Have we got any comments?
Yeah, well, eh. Probably telling me to stop looking at my comments. Yeah, so it would be great to hear from any of you guys. Is any of your guys' adventures or places on, you've gone? Yeah, are you back there, Robert? Uh, sorry about that. I have a brand new appreciation for the few times I've left you solo. <laughs> it's all good. Actually, it was the neighbor. Somebody did bring in, and it was kind of something I had to take care of. So I do apologize to that for everybody. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we're eating some of the the. Did you ever boat Merrimack Harbor? Um, yeah, Troy, actually, we did boat Merrimish Harbor, as I, I said just before we took off there, and Dave chimed in. We uh, borrowed or stole Jay's kayaks a fair bit, and we went all through the river and the harbor and stuff like that. Dave Lake there, he, um, him and his wife, I don't know if they still have it, they have a little cottage that's out there in the harbor, and I've gone out with them over to that, and we boated around. And even, um, I guess, a little bit with the fire department there, too, we've done some boating as well. Uh yeah, so I'm completely off track, Ben. Where are we? We are lost. <laughs> but not all those who wander are lost, and not all those that are lost want to be found. <laughs> but no, I, I was just kind of summarizing, and I know we've been at this for a little while. It's been going quite well. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, it's a great option. I mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of places here in Nova Scotia. you got Tangiers, you got Topiatic, you got Kedgy itself. Uh, the Shuby Canal Run, I yep, think. That's is, a good one. Um, we did uh, Lake Pinook a few years ago. That was a pretty a good one. It's a super long lake. that goes pretty well from Windsor right down to Chester area. Nice. Um, I know down through Trafalgar and all of that, there's a bunch of lakes hidden off in the sides, too, that are apparently marvelous for kayaking and canoeing and uh, all that. And not all of them involve the port, like the, the portages. Some you can get in and go, and I mean, and you can make any trip yours, your adventure, how you want to do it. You can do loops. You can just go out for the day and come back. Um, and I've taken kids as young as four on overnight canoe and boat trips, um, and had a blast. Like it's it's it is fun for all ages. Like, and some people might say too young, too old, whatever, but I, I don't think that's necessarily true. You just have to adjust your trip to accommodate what your 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 uh, your crew or your 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 companions are capable of. The one of the best ones we did was in Keju. We went and hit one of the the closest um, islands from one of the beaches. We paddled out there. We actually towed the girls in their own boats. And spent two nights in one campsite. Had a blast. That sounds uh, like it'd be a ton of fun. Uh, Troy's asking where you're from. I'm going to let you answer that because you can get as specific or as non-specific as you would like, Ben. Where I'm from originally or where I'm from now? Where I live now is a good question. I think I'm originally looking for where you're at now. 
right now I'm north of Halifax and south of Truro near uh, near Milford Station. I guess would be the best answer. Uh, but since I've kind of thrown it out there, I'm originally from central Newfoundland, a small town called Buckins. And on that note, tons of lakes in Newfoundland to go explore as well. That is a bit of a dream of mine. Uh, I grew up on Red Indian Lake, which is a gorgeous lake, and it's a dangerous lake. Uh, there's not normally a lot of boating traffic, and I think there's more now than there ever is when I grew up. And a lot of people in the area have been somewhat nervous of the lake because there's been a few drownings. Uh, everyone seems to know someone who's, who's, who's lost someone on that lake. Um, but it's close, I think, over 50 miles long. It is a big lake. It's, it's at its widest point. It's a few miles across and it's look, it's like an ocean when you're looking at it in mm. some spots. Uh, I would love to do the length of that lake, go in one end and come right at the other end. Uh, and if anyone who's really interested in joining me on a trip like that, we could discuss it someday. It would probably take us a while to do the logistics. If I ever get a boat, <laughs> we'll talk. <Yeah. laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's a relatively uninhabited lake. There are cabins along that lake in different spots and stuff, but there's a ton of beach area that I've I had a cabin on that lake. A buddy of mine had a cabin miles down that lake, and I walked miles and miles of that beach. And it's 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 a gorgeous beach. There's some massive fish in there, and it's one of the places I'd love to hit. But there's Grand Lake in Newfoundland. There's some massive massive lakes in Newfoundland. And uh, I think there's a, uh, a guy who just canoed, kayaked most of the way across the island of Newfoundland. Uh, I can't remember his name. But he, he, I'm not he, sure. He documented the whole thing on, uh, on YouTube. That'd be a good one to go check out then. Maybe I'll look it up for my downtime. Yeah, if I come across it, I'll send it. You can throw it on our page or whatever. But Canada-wide... Like, you know, canoes built this country for for what it is today. If you talk about the pioneers, some of the the first uh, Europeans to come over, that's how they, they got inland and stuff. You talk about the natives, they built their own canoes and kayaks over the years, and that's how they explored, hunted, uh, moved their villages when they needed to. That's how they, they lived in this land. And the waterways... We're the original highways through this this country, and it's it's an amazing way to experience something that's you know hundreds of years old, really. Yeah, and because you mentioned that, that was something in the back of my mind, and I didn't know how to put it into words. That's that's actually a real good point. There's something very surreal and primitive about boating that kind of connects you to a world gone by. I know that sounds stupid and corny, but it's very true in my eyes anyway. Well, it's very true. And I've followed a few podcasters that, that a couple that, uh, I think it's Northern Journey or something like that. I was just telling my brother about it, where the two, two young guys from, I think, Minnesota went all the way to the Hudson Bay, up through like the Red River and through the Lake Winnipeg and right on up through. And, uh, their talk about this and their experience is amazing. Um, and there's a couple of young girls that did the same trip. They were on the same podcast uh, and, and talked about their trip and journey and the things they learned and the things they seen. But you get 
so far away from things. And, and the one that I've always loved, and I'm sure you've experienced this any time you've been in the woods, but the loon. You get up <laughs> yes. and you hear that loon calling, and it's just, it's such a peaceful, uh, basaurus sound. Uh, just sort of sets you in a moment, right? It's, it's, I know she's not on right now because she's in the bedroom watching something else while I'm doing this. So I'm going to pick on Melissa a little bit. When we started dating, one of our first dates was we went camping with a, with a buddy of mine. And it was supposed to be his girlfriend at the time. She couldn't make it. So anyway, it ended up being the three of us. And uh, we were out on Indian Lake, which is up top Weaver's Mountain. And it's, it's a fairly big lake on top of Weaver's Mountain. It's not gigantic, but it's an okay size one. And anyway... I remember hearing the loons and beavers and stuff like that going in the water thinking that it was so great. And I can still remember to this day, every single sound, Melissa was like, what was that? What's that? <laughs> I'm like, it's just animals. It's a beaver. It's a duck. It's a loon. And once you know what they are, it's very soothing sounds, very peaceful sounds, very harmonious sounds. Uh, I guess if you don't know what they are, they can, they can cause confusion and chaos in a very short amount of time. But it's like you said, it's something you can't really describe more than you just experience it, I guess. But I mean, and you mentioned noises and stuff. And I, I, I think back to just at my cabin. So I, 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 I hammock a lot at my cabin. It's one of my places for casting gear and stuff. And I've been there myself at night in a fairly familiar area and heard things hit the water that don't sound right, that I can't place. And I've convinced myself that it's a beaver. I've convinced myself it's it's ducks jumping in the water. I've convinced myself that someone threw a large boulder in the water because that's the only thing that can make that kind of splash and clank noise. But I don't know. Like I have a swim dock that's about 100 feet off from the shore, and I swear something fell off of that one night, and there shouldn't have been anything on there. So you get weird noises near lakes and stuff. And we found even near your, uh, that campsite we did, that the river played tricks with their ears. Yeah, we were both looking at each other and being like, huh, what was that? After I, at one point I thought I heard people talking. Yeah. Yeah, we heard voices. We thought the water was boiling when it was nowhere near boiling. We, you know, you could hear the rocks moving under the water, which kind of is a really weird sound sometimes. And other times it's not near dead silence there. Uh, except for a general roar. Um, so, yeah, even experienced people will hear things and be unsure and unfamiliar. Uh, or people left the same experience as me, I guess. Somebody might say, I know I've never had a surprise. I know everything. Uh, it's not me, my sir. I can tell you that. Because I, I still remember sitting at that fireplace and you see me look up and start looking around. You're like, what are you looking for? I'm like, I thought I heard people talking. Yeah, no, I, I, I heard it too. It's like voices just, just down the river. And, and we'd look and there was no one down there. There was no sign of anyone. And, it was kind but, of eerie at certain points because you thought you'd hear like animal noises that just didn't make no, like any kind of sense. But I mean, never scary. Don't get me wrong. Like not, no. oh my God, what is that? It's just kind of like, what is that? <laughs> like you could, you could almost understand though how somebody might believe in, in, in fairies and, and, and stuff like, if you're in the woods and some of the sounds and stuff you hear, like, 
Well, and never hear. is a real thing. Like, it, it's a scientific thing. If you're staring off into a darkness that just has shadows and stuff, the human brain or human psyche tries to pick out common details. The most common one is the human face. So that's yeah. why people see faces and stuff like that, right? It's a, a phenomenon called matrixing. And you tie that together with, like, the sounds we were hearing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially yeah. if you have those little wood sprites stuck up in the trees everywhere. That's my fault. I'm yeah, sorry. that's fine. That's actually pretty neat. I'm looking forward to going back and seeing him. So, Yeah. Someone posted a cool one on a bushcrafting site the other day. that He went back like two years later, and it's it's weathered and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just, this is a pretty cool. Yeah, maybe we'll um, try in a few years' time, see how it lasted. Yeah. Uh, I think this was in a live tree, so you had the sap and stuff coming through. It's really oh, cool. Oh, sweet. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if we've covered this topic completely. We've definitely discussed quite a bit about it, but the reality is it's, it's definitely an avenue and it's not a new avenue, but we did bring up the sub paddling. I think people making trips on those is kind of new. Um, and it's something I'd like to try at some point. Um, the, the, the weight is pretty reasonable. Uh, you definitely have to take a pack that you could throw on your back, but it's still going to be awkward to carry around. But there's a decent handle in the middle of mine, so I don't know if it would be too bad. Uh, but at about 35 pounds. It's not bad. Like I said, that's that's really not bad. I no. That's kind of what I'm looking for is a sub-50-pound boat. Maybe, so. maybe you want a sub. A sub. You know what? The more you talk about it, the more I'm wondering about it. One of those inflatable ones might be pretty neat. But, uh, you, you want to try one out, buddy? Yeah, we may be talking later, but we are coming up on an hour and twenty minutes. I do know I ran off for a few minutes there, so we probably went over a little, little further. Yeah, we but... didn't get that here when I was there, so you can, <laughs> if you edit that, you can just edit those few minutes out. Just pretend it didn't happen. That's yeah, fine. I'm sure you did great. Um, I, I, I didn't. <laughs> but like you said, we we only really touched on this subject. It'll be something that we talk about again in the future. It's a very wide broad subject i mean we could talk all day on it but uh i i think we covered a lot of basic key points um, i hope the viewers like throw some questions up and ask things and, and and connect with us um and i think we discussed this a little while ago and maybe i'm out of turn here and we hit it a bit on this one but we're going to eventually start talking about taking kids and camping. Uh, I, I know we have a guest speaker that may show up for that. Uh, yeah. So we'll keep that in mind. I know the, the guest speaker is pretty excited. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about that too. Uh, yeah, maybe next week. It wouldn't be a bad yeah. one. I think I can prepare for that. Can you yeah, prepare for that? <laughs> yeah. Get ready. This this is an interesting character we may bring on here. So, uh, so hopefully you like like this person and see how that goes. Um, but yeah, let's let's wrap this up. We'll talk again soon. Um, generally next week, is it not? Yeah, I was about to say generally once a week we talk again. Usually around eight thirty every Wednesday. If I had to pick a number out of my head, but uh, we are this one in July for sure. Which weekend in July are you gonna miss? Uh, or which week? 17th. Okay. Uh, That'll be a quick one. <laughs> but, uh, it'll just be me going, hey guys, have a good night. Click. But, um, 
we, yeah. we could put words up. But... <laughs> Anyways, all to- topics for later. Uh, guys, uh, same as every every time. Get out there, try stuff, report back to us to how it worked. Yeah. Anything you, you've seen or tried, you want to learn something about that we may be able to help, please like bring it to our attention. If there's anything you think you can teach us, we are more than willing to learn. Always uh, willing to learn and listen. Always. And, and if you have some challenges, we will take them seriously. And we still think about building a bushcraft chair as soon as we get a good opportunity. Yep. I'm actually uh, I'm going to be cleaning oh, some brush around my house. So I may be uh, giving it a go. <laughs> we uh-huh. may be connecting over video and figuring this one out. But, uh, yeah, so, so that's it for me. I, I, uh, I appreciate all your experience and knowledge on the subject, Ben. I did rely heavily on this one because uh, my experience is limited. If anybody does have some questions, uh, Ben is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to being on the water there. He has canoes, kayaks, uh, got the stand-up boards there. I'm sure any questions you have, he'd be more than willing to answer. You can get a hold of him either through the channel here. If you write a message in, it's great. Or I think it's podcast at AtlanticBushcraft.ca is the email address uh, if you're more comfortable using that avenue. Or just look Ben up on his own Facebook page there. Uh, I'm sure it sounds like my neighbors are uh, enjoying their graduation. Um, But yeah, I'm sure Ben would be more than happy to share some of that knowledge there. And likewise, if you just have a story or something like Ben said... Post it on the page. We love reading that stuff. We love hearing from your questions. We love just hearing your general stories and comments. Like, it's it's never a bad time for us. Don't ever think you're inconveniencing us or, oh, you know, that's just foolish. Nothing's ever foolish. We look forward to everything that we hear and read from you guys. Yeah, I, I spend an exorbitant amount of time looking at or up people that do this type of thing. And I've made a, a, a vast network of, of friends and acquaintances doing this, so... Uh, if I don't know something, I probably know somebody who has a pretty good answer. Uh, and so I've met some interesting fellows. So, yeah, hit us up. See if we can find something out or teach us something. We're, like I said, we're, we're excited to hear from you guys. Always am. And if you want to jump on the show some night, let us know. If you got a topic that you think is interesting and you got a wealth of knowledge in we're more than willing to pass the reins over to somebody else for a, no, a, a night and just join in our two cents or our experience on the subject. Like, I, I don't pretend to be a master of anything. I'm a fool at most, at best, you know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, I mean, thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for coming on, Troy. I know this is one of the first times you've been on. I hope you join us again some other time there. Uh, as always, get dirty, have fun, play safe. That's it for me. Head off.